go in your Bibles to John chapter 17. John chapter 17 tonight. Así trajo su Biblia esta noche. Vamos a regresar a Juan capítulo 17. If you don't happen to have a Bible, you can look it up on your digital device there. Or we'll have it on the screen in just a few moments. We've been talking about the upper room discourse. Hemos estado estudiando el discurso del aposento alto. And uh, as we uh, think about what Jesus taught in his last words to the body of Christ, we want to uh, be conscious of the fact that these words are life to us and they are power to us and they are strength to us. They are not only just for our, uh, our thoughts and our reflection, but they are for the daily life and the spiritual success of every believer. And last time we mentioned that John 17 is a long prayer. It is the prayer of Jesus. Uh, en Juan capítulo 17, o escuchamos la vez pasada que estamos leyendo una oración larga que es la oración del Señor Jesús. And uh, often we talk about the Lord's Prayer, right? It, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You guys know that one. Uh, but this is the other Lord's Prayer, all right? Uh, this is the prayer of Jesus. It's his high priestly prayer. And in this prayer, he prays for his disciples. And he prays for you. Because he prays for all of those who would believe as a result of their testimony and their witness. We saw last week that there are six things that Jesus mentions in the prayer that the Father had given to him. And so if you were taking notes last week, you will remember what these th six things are. You'll be able to uh, help me with them. Uh, but I'll recite them for you. These are six things in this chapter that Jesus said that the Father had given to him. Now the importance of that is that everything that belongs to Christ belongs to you. Say amen. amen. Because you and I <coughs> are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. Usted y yo somos uh, her heredores de Dios y uh, coheredores con Cristo. So everything Jesus has, you have. So you should never say, I can't. You know, my teacher used to say, can't's not a word, right? Uh, but, but we always say, I can't. I can't overcome temptation. It's too strong. I can't say no. It's too much. It's too strong. I can't um, put away those things. And if you're a believer, you don't need to say that. Because everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to you. Jesus has victory. Say amen. That means you have victory. Jesus has uh, the, uh, the uh, grace of God. You have the grace of God. He has the favor of God. You have the favor of God. He has the peace of God. You have the peace of God. Say amen, somebody. And so here we read six things Jesus said that the Father had given to him. The first one was authority. The second one was work. The third one was men out of the world. The fourth one was words. The fifth one was a name. And the sixth was glory. You got all of those? All right, so we saw last week, number one, God gave Jesus authority. La vez pasada, semana pasada, estudiamos el hecho de que Dios le dio a Cristo, le dio a Jesús autoridad. He gave him, he, he gave him eternal authority and authority to give eternal life. Le dio autoridad eterna y le dio autoridad para dar vida eterna. And so that's why when you and I pray, and we pray in the name of Jesus, we pray according to the will of God, we are praying under the authority of Jesus' name, and demons and devils tremble because of the authority of Jesus. Amen, somebody. Jesus said, all authority. How much authority? All authority has been given unto me in heaven. And where? On earth. So that means in heaven, Jesus is the boss. Jesus calls the shots. The angels do what he says. In heaven, the streets of gold belong to Jesus. The, uh, the eternal palaces of God's presence belong to Jesus. He is the final word, the final authority. But not only does his authority extend to heaven, it comes down to earth. And he said, all authority has been given unto me in heaven and on the earth. That means everything in your life today is under the authority of Jesus. Amen, somebody. Now, this is very important because 
things are going to happen in your life. Devils are going to raise up in your life. Circumstances are going to come against you in your life. And they're going to try to, they're going to try to trick you into believing that they're in charge. That they're in control. You've got to remember that the authority over your life belongs to Jesus and Jesus alone. Say amen, somebody. Nobody else and nothing else, not your circumstances, not your trial, not your storm, not the devil. Nobody has authority over you. That authority is in Christ alone. And so you don't have to fear any uh, uh, power of the enemy so long as you are under Christ and in Christ. Now, if you're not in Christ, listen, now, if you're not under the authority of Jesus, you have no protection against all of those wild and terrible things that are ruling in this world. Uh, the Bible talks about some men in the book of Acts who try to cast out a devil, and they, cast, they try to cast out the devil in the name of Jesus. And do you remember what happened to those men? The Bible said that the, the demons said to them, uh, Jesus I do know, and Paul I do know, but who in the world are you? Why did he say that? Why did the devil mock them? Because they were not under the authority of Jesus. And when you're not under the authority of Jesus, the devil doesn't have any respect for you. But when you're under the authority of Jesus, all power and all authority has to bow to the authority that's over your life. And so you want to stay in Christ, and if you don't know Jesus, you need to get to know Jesus today. Until you do, the devil's going to rule and reign in your life. He's going to whip you from pillar to post. And those of you who, who came out of that world, you know what that's like to have the devil be your master, to be a slave to addictions and, and sin and pornography and bondage and uh, unforgiveness, to be a slave to the master that is the God of this world. And you also know what, it ha what happened in your life when you submitted to the authority of Jesus and you said, Jesus, you are Lord. And when you said that, hell lost its grip on you and sin lost its grip on you and the past lost its grip on you. Come on, somebody, because you came under the authority of the name and power of Jesus. Then Jesus said that the Father gave him work. Do you know God has given you work? Say, Pastor, I didn't come here to learn about work. I worked all day long. Well, God's given you work to do. He's given you ministry. He's given you gifts. He's given you talents. And someday, you're going to stand before God, and you're going to answer to him for your gifts, for your talents, for your time. All right? That's all I'm going to say about that tonight. I just want you to think about that. You're going to say, well, I didn't know I had them. I didn't know they were mine. That's your job. It's your job when, on your birthday. It's your job to open the gifts, right? You've got to know what has God gifted me to do and let the Spirit lead you as you discover that and then go and do it. And when you do that, you are doing just like Jesus did. Jesus said, the work which my Father has given to me, he was expressly committed to fulfilling the task that God the Father had given to him. And I, I want you to be just as committed as Jesus. Now, just as committed as I am to say, I'm not leaving this earth until I have done my job. Until my work has been done. And when I get to the end of my role on my field, then God can call me home. But until then, I have work to do. And I'm going to be found in the Lord's business doing the Lord's work. Say amen, somebody. Don't leave me alone tonight. You and I are a part of God's plan for this generation. Everything God wants to do through Beville, he's going to do through a believer. Are you a believer? Then you're part of the program. And then Jesus said, the Father has given me men out of the world. Now this one blows my mind because I think about of all the wonderful, awesome things God could have given Jesus, he gave him men. And if you know anything about these men, they were, they were a handful. Uh, he gave him 12 men. Of the 12, one of them betrayed him, and that was Judas. That left him 11. And then the leader of the group was named Peter, and Peter denied him on the night of the crucifixion. You remember that? And these guys were the men God gave to Jesus out of the world. But what we learned last week, and this is a very important principle, is that everything that God has called you to do and to fulfill in this life is going to be done with the help 
and assistance of other people. You cannot do God's will or fulfill God's purpose for your life by yourself. You need somebody. Everybody needs somebody. Tell your neighbor, I need you. All right, now, you may not have believed that, all right? You just have to, you have to let that come by faith. You need one another. I need you. Think about it. If I have a preaching gift and a teaching gift, and I come in here and there's nobody to teach to, I need you. And you need me. Because what if you're sitting there and staring at a blank pulpit, and there's no word, no, no revelation, no insight, God's not talking, God's not moving, God's not saying anything, and you know that you need the word. Say amen, somebody. Has God ever spoken to you through the preaching of the word? Then guess what? You need the preacher. And we, as a body of Christ, we need the gifts that the other has. And so I mentioned to you last week this important principle that whenever God starts to do something new in your life, look around to see who are the people God's moving into my life because he's always going to bring people in to help you accomplish his purpose for your life. And some of you, when you started coming to this church, your life took a new direction, a new level. Why? Because there's people here that God wanted to use to complement what he was doing in your life. And their word, their prayers, their encouragement, their strength has helped you get up to another level. That's how God does this. And Jesus needed people. You realize that? Even Jesus, the son of the living God, he needed the disciples. He needed men. And God in his wisdom and God in his mercy and God in his grace gave Jesus men. Guess what? God loves you and God in his wisdom and God in his grace has given you people. And I want to encourage you, instead of looking around at the people that you have in your life and saying, oh, my goodness, these people in my life, they're so hard to live with. They're so expensive. They take so much time, take so much energy. Don't think about it like that. Think about, look at all these blessings God has put in my life. People to encourage me, to strengthen me, people to uh, lift, up, lift me up, somebody to help me when I fall. Come on, somebody. Uh, you and I need one another. And God created relationships. He looked around in the, in the Garden of Eden and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. He needs another human being with him. And it's not good for you. It's impossible for you to try to fulfill God's purpose without the people that God has put into your life. And I, I also mentioned last week that God even will use your enemies. All right? So don't run away from your enemies. Don't run away from the sandpaper in your life. Just let God use them. And when he's done using them, he'll move them out of your way. All right. Now let's get to the next three that Jesus said the Father gave to him. We're right here in John chapter 17 and verse 8. And uh, the Bible says, For the words which you gave me, I have given to them that they might receive them and truly understood that I came forth from you and they believed that you sent me. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we ask tonight that you would anoint my lips of clay to teach and preach the word of the living God. And I ask you to anoint this congregation that in hearing the word, we might put it into use in our life. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. I can't hardly get off this point about other people, but you know, there are other people God wants to put out of your life because they're not part of what God's trying to do. And so you got to get the gift of goodbye. You have to be able to say, all right, that season's over, goodbye. The Bible said Naomi had two daughters-in-law. One was Orpha, not Oprah, Orpha, and the other was Ruth. And Orpha said, no way, Jose, I'm not going back to Bethlehem. And Ruth said, where you go, I go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And they wept with Orpha, and then they said goodbye. And they went on their way, and God set up Ruth to be a part of the family line of Jesus. People matter, don't they? All right. Now, Jesus says here, 
that God the Father gave him words. Say words. Do you know that words are essential? They're important. They are the way that God does things. They are the way that God creates. You know that you and I were created by the word. The entire world, the universe was created by the word of God. If you read Genesis 1, what does it say? And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Seven, uh, pardon, six days of creation, every single day, all God did was speak. And his words had creative power. So powerful was his word that the lights he created on the first day are still shining to this day. Thousands of years later, his word is still sustaining what he created. Now, you just think about that because that's the kind of God you and I serve. We, we were created by the word, but then also we realized that we were born again by the word. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, you were born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable, that is, through the living and enduring word of God. That's 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. How were you born again? You were born again by the seed of the living and enduring word of God. God's word produced life in your dead spirit. La palabra de Dios produjo vida en tu, en tu espíritu muerto. And this word was like a seed. It's so powerful that when it came into your heart, you didn't even notice that it came in. Some of you didn't notice when it came in. It just started to develop a, a life of its own in your life. And it started to, that little seed started to sprout, and then it started to take root. And before you knew it, you were a full-blown Bible-believing, tongue-talking Christian, and you look back and say, how did this happen to me? How did I get in this state of affairs? Because the word came into your life. Say amen, somebody. So when you share the gospel with somebody, when you tell somebody about the love of God or the grace of God, you are putting in them the seed of the word. You don't have to worry about that seed. It's going to do what it's got to do. God's word is just that powerful. You and I were born again by the living and enduring word of God. I was told a story back around Christmas time. A young man saw me out here in the parking lot. He stopped by. He said, Pastor, I want to tell you a story. He said, I came to church one Sunday morning because my parents insisted on it. I didn't want to come to church. I came because my parents insisted on it. And I sat there, and I was not in, engaged in the service and then he said, you preached, and I was not paying attention to the message. I was not uh, interested in what you had to say. But then when you gave the altar call, I just felt like I need to get up there and give my life to Jesus. And he gave him his life to Christ. He was born again while his outer man was just blowing it all off. Now, this is so boring. I can't wait to get out of here. His spirit man received the life-giving power of the word of God. Say amen, somebody. So you were created by the word, and you were born again by the word, and you are sustained by the word. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The word of God is what sustains our spiritual life. That's why you need to be in the, in the house of God. That's why you need to be in Bible study. And you need to be in church uh, when, when the service is available. And you need to be in the Bible on your own, on your own time every day. Because the word of God is sustaining to your spirit. And you will know the difference between the life that is feeding on the word and the life that is not feeding on the word. You see, people, uh, and I, I thought about this this morning, but uh, I want to share it with you this, like this. People sit under the same preaching and get different results because some people do not take it as food. They just hear it in their natural man, but they don't receive it as food in their spiritual man. But those of us who are spiritual, we don't need a 45-minute sermon. One word from God can get us going all week long. Say amen, somebody, because it is sustaining to us. It is bread to us. 
That's why when we get in front of a real good preacher with some real word, we just leave, leave about to burst because there's so much food in there that it is hard to digest it all. It takes a whole week to kind of get it all digested into your spirit. Is anybody listening tonight? That's what the word does. But the difference is you. Are you feeding on the word or are you, are you just kind of letting it be some entertaining Thing that the pastor's doing on a weekly basis. And friends, you'll know the difference in the life that comes in and sustains itself on the word of God because their trials aren't going to blow them over. Their storms aren't going to mess up their day. They're not going to walk in defeat. They're not going to walk in lack. They're going to have victory. They're going to stand up and face the challenges of their life because there's life in the word. Say amen, somebody. Look at what the book of Deuteronomy says. One of my favorite passages, Deuteronomy 32, verse 47. It says, for these are not idle words. These are not idle words. They're not just words. He says, indeed, they are your life. Dice ahí, Deuteronomio capítulo 32, verso 47, estas palabras no son palabras pasajeras, sino son tu vida. Say, they are my life. The word of God is my life. Now, you think about it. Deuteronomy is five sermons preached by Moses. This is the conclusion of one sermon. And after the sermon, Moses looks at Israel and it whites in their eyes and he says, hey, listen, these are not idle words. It's not just an old man babbling. This is your life. And what happens with this word? He says, by them, listen now, by them you will do what? Prolong your days. How many of you want to have long days? I mean, you want to live a long time. You want to live past your life expectancy. Yes? What do you need to do? Get in the word. He says, if you do this word, if you live by this word, you're sustained by this word, you will prolong your days in the land, and you will cross the Jordan. You'll go from this side of Jordan to that side of Jordan. You'll go from death into life, from defeat into victory, from hoping in the promise to receiving the promise. You'll be able to cross over. How many of you need to cross over? How many of you need to go to a new level? How many of you need to go to a new place with God? What do you need to do? Get in the word. And then he says, these will prolong your days and you will cross over and you will possess the land which God has given to you to possess. This is your life. Why do I read the Bible? Because it's my life. Why do I study the Bible? Because it's my life. Why do I commit it to memory? Because it's my life. And why do I preach the Bible to you? Because it's my life and it's your life too. That's why I don't preach to you from some textbook. I don't preach to you from the latest pop culture Christian author. I don't preach to you from America's best-selling books. I preach to you from the Bible, the Word of God, because it is your life. Say amen, somebody. And if you want to have life that's sustained, it has to be sustained by the Word of God. Of God. Now listen to what Jesus says here in, in John 17, 8, which we read. For the words which you gave me, I have given to them, that they might receive them. Say receive them. You must receive the word. Say I must receive the word in order to profit from it. See, if I go to your house for dinner, and you put your dinner uh, in front of me, your plate of food in front of me, and I don't eat it, I have not received it. And I cannot enjoy the benefits and the nutrients of that food because I have not received it into my body. That's what Jesus is saying here when he says, God the Father gave me his word, I gave his word to the disciples, but they had to receive it. They had to take it in. They had to digest it. 
That's why I encourage you to say amen. What does amen mean? It means so be it. So if I say to you, uh, God wants to prosper you, you need to say amen. What are you doing? You're receiving the word. That's why when I give the blessing at the end of service, I say raise your hands for the blessing. I'll say, put your hand in your pocket and act like you don't want this thing. You raise your hands. Why? You're receiving the word, receiving the blessing of God. So you've got to receive the word, receive it with your spirit. When you say amen, you are spiritually affirming. I want what is being said. Now, some people are, are like a parrot. They just say amen whenever. And I've heard preachers say, the whole world's dying and going to hell. And people say, Amen. No, listen, focus, receive the word. And when you hear something that maybe it's not in your life yet, but that you want in your life, you need to receive it. If, if I say, you are the healed of the Lord, you need to say, amen. Even if you feel as sick as a dog at that moment, you just say, amen. I believe, I receive God's word. God's word says, I am the healed of the Lord. I am blessed. I am full of abundance and blessing. I have God's favor. And I am receiving the truth of that word. And then that also means that when God challenges us, when he steps on our toes, when he gets our attention, that we also say, yes, Lord, I receive that. And I'm going to repent. I'm going to turn from my wicked ways. I'm going to stop thinking that way. I'm going to stop talking like that. I'm going to stop living like that because I want to receive everything God has for me. Now, a lot of people, they kind of live, they kind of live through their church life. They hear sermons, but they don't receive the word. And then they wonder why they're not getting the benefit of what they're hearing because they haven't received it. They haven't put it into their life as the word of God to expect it to manifest in their life, to expect it to produce fruit in their life. When I preach a sermon to you, I preach it with the full expectation that what I am saying is going to happen in your life this week. And and when you receive it, that's what happens in your life. I remember one Sunday morning, I was praying, and I said, Lord, if anybody needs a job, I pray they'll find a job and a good job this week. And then one young man who was sitting at the back, the next week he came up to me. He said, Pastor, you'll never believe it. I was looking for a job, and you prayed that I would receive a job, and I got the job, and it was a good job this week. He said, I just don't, I don't know what happened. I don't believe it. And I just, I was just thinking, that's the way people are. They hear it. It's like, oh, yes, they're just good, hopeful things that the preacher's saying. No, friend, this is the word of God. It actually works if you work it. Amen. Say amen, somebody. Amen. So you say, say it again. I must receive the word, receive the word. in order to profit from it. Now then Jesus says, they have received the word, the word which you gave me, I gave to them, they received it, and they truly understood that I came from you. Now here's the other impact of the word, when you receive the word, you will receive understanding. What does that mean? You will get clarity. You will have revelation. When you are praying about something, you need an answer to something in your life, get in the Word. Because the Word will bring understanding. The Word will bring clarity to your mind, to your heart. Uh, there is a, a, a branch of, of Christianity that uh, is called the Seventh-day Adventists. They worship on Saturday. They go to church on Saturday. And uh, they're very dogmatic about that. You have to worship on Saturday. I particularly like to worship on Friday and Saturday and Sunday and Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. But did I mention and Friday? And they are dogmatic about it. You have to worship on Saturday. Well, one day, one of these uh, 
women who was an elder in that church, she was in prayer, and the church was kind of in an uproar about this. Should we worship on Saturday? Should we worship on Sunday? Which is the proper day to worship? And you and I, we worship uh, uh, corporately on Sunday because that's the day Jesus rose from the dead. And that's the, the pattern of the New Testament. But this woman was going through this conflict in her church. She went down to pray. And as she was praying, she remembered what she had read in the scriptures. And Jesus said in the scriptures, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And when, when the word was connected with prayer, she got understanding. And she realized that God's not interested in a day. He's interested in a person. He wants you to have the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not a day. The Sabbath is Jesus. Come on, somebody. The Sabbath is the rest that you and I have when we know Christ. How did she come to that revelation? Because of the word. She received the word, and then the word produced understanding. It brought light. The Bible it tells us that the word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The word of God is light. That means you don't have to pray, Lord, please illuminate your word. That Bible is a blazing lamp that is already on fire. It is a light. What's dark is our understanding. What's dark is our mind. So when we pray, we need to say, Lord, illuminate my mind by your word. Bring your word to bear on my mind so that I can have understanding. So that I can know which way to go, which house to buy, which car to buy, which job to take, which person to marry. And when you get involved in doing life by the word of God, you will see the blessing of God in your life. Say amen, somebody. Most people do not consult the Bible until they have already made a mess. And when their marriage is in trouble, now I want to know, what does God have to say about this pastor? You need to get in it early and often. Say amen, somebody. So that when you face a decision, you already know what God says. And you have understanding about that. And then he says they understood it and they believed. They got the word. They received the word. Then they understood and they believed. So the word produces understanding, but it also produces faith. Say faith. You know that you need faith? Without it, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, you can't get through the first door. Faith is what moves God. Need does not move God. Faith moves God. But you know that the word of God is what produces faith. Faith is so important, but you can't have any faith without the word of God. The Bible says the, the word that faith comes by hearing, hearing Fox News, Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hannity. The word comes by reading the San Antonio Express. Comes by reading the Bee Pictures. Where does faith come from? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. You gotta have the word of God, and the word of God produces faith. That's why you generally feel better when you leave church than when you come in. Right? Because when you come in, your faith tanks a little low, and then you get in and you hear the word, and your faith tank starts reaching full. Well, what if you don't have a church service that day and you need some faith? And Pastor Isaac isn't there to give you a shot in the arm, and Brother Josh isn't there to sing your favorite song and you don't have anything else to do what do you do get in the word open your bible and you'll see how god gives you faith he'll produce faith in your life and that faith will give you the ability to take down giants and move mountains in jesus name all right let's move on now the second thing jesus said the father gave him is right here in verse 11 he said i am no longer in the world and yet they themselves are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, that they may be one even as we are one. So now we see that the Father has not only given Jesus his word, 
but he's also given him a name. And you know what the Bible says about the name of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 tells us this. That because Jesus humiliated himself to the point of death, he humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross, for this reason God so highly exalted him and gave to him the name which is above every name. The King James says he gave to him the name that is above everything that is named. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now every person in here who's been in church for any degree of time has heard that. Most of you can quote it. But let's just process it for a minute. God gave Jesus a name which is above every other name. That means the name of Jesus is above cancer. Think of the biggest, scariest word in your life. And the name of Jesus is bigger and badder and above that. Say amen, somebody. And so the name of Jesus is above every other name. It's above the name of Buddha. It's above the name of Muhammad. It's above the name of Mary. It's above the name of Abraham. It's above the name of Kingsway Church. The name of Jesus is above the name of Satan. The name of Jesus is above every named thing in the earth. He gave him a name, a high name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee bow. That means there will not be one rebellious rascal left in all of eternity when we stand before Jesus who will have knees strong enough to say, I'm not going to bow. Every knee is going to bow. Adolf Hitler said Jesus was a wimp. Guess what? One of these days, old Adolf is going to get raised from the dead. He's going to be brought to judgment. And he's going to bow his knees at the name of Jesus. And he's going to say, Jesus is Lord. He is Lord. Come on, somebody. The atheist is going to bow the knee and declare Jesus is Lord. And so... You're going to bow today or you bow tomorrow. But bow you will. And every tongue will confess the lordship of Jesus. What does that mean that we say Jesus is Lord? That word Lord means it brand, in 21st century terms, Jesus is in control. Jesus is the boss. Think about that. Every power of darkness that has risen up against Christ over the last 2,000 years, that has risen up against the church, that has tried to blot out the witness of the church, every demonic power is going to stand before Jesus and declare he's the boss. He's in control. He is Lord. That's why when you get into trouble, call on Jesus. Call on Jesus. Because that's the name that has authority. When I was a young man in college, uh, I went home for a, a holiday or something. And I, I was in my parents' home. My nephew was about uh, two years old. And they were staying over with my parents for a couple of days as their parents were out of town. And in the middle of the night, I heard a blood-curdling scream. And it was my two-year-old nephew, and he was running down the uh, hallway of the house, completely panicked and afraid. I don't know what spooked him, what happened, but he, he was absolutely terrified. Now, I scooped him up in my arms, and I said, in Jesus' name, receive peace. And this is literally what happened. He just fell right to sleep. That's the name of Jesus. Do you have that name given to you? Jesus said to the disciples, you haven't prayed like this before, but from now on, every time you pray, pray in my name. When you go before the Father, you ask for those things that you need in my name, and my Father will give them to you. Do you believe that? 
Jesus gave us the power of attorney. That's what that means. What is power of attorney? When, when you give someone else, you delegate to someone else the authority to act in your name. If I give you power of attorney, that means you can take my bank account and spend all my money. That's why I'm not giving you my power of attorney. If I give you my power of attorney, you can sell my properties. You can, you can take my library and burn it if you want to, if I give you my power of attorney. And may the Lord stand between me and you if you do that. Because I'm giving you delegated authority. Jesus said, here is my name. This is delegated authority. So that when you stand before the Father and you say, Father, I need to pay these bills this month. And I'm asking you to send the money. And I'm asking you in the name of Jesus that you have the authority of the name of Jesus to receive what you have asked from God. And God will do it. God the Father will hear it because you prayed in the name of Jesus. So if they ever ask you around the office or at City Hall or somewhere to pray and they tell you, go ahead and pray. But don't pray in any particular God's name. Just just leave Jesus out of it. You say, I can't do that. Because God, who do you want me to, who do you want to answer? If, if you want God to answer, there's only one name God will hear. And that's the name of Jesus. And that name has been given to us. That power of attorney has been given to us. Now, listen to what the Bible says about this. Matthew 18, 20. Jesus said, where two or three gathered together, where? In my name. There I am in their midst. Think about that. This is an awkward statement from a natural perspective. Where two or three of you gather in my name. What does that mean? That means his name is a place. Think about that because the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are saved. So when you and I gather to pray, we call on the name of Jesus. When we call on the name of Jesus, we're coming into a place. It is a place of refuge. It is a place of strength. It is a place of protection. That's why when you just say the name of Jesus, you've already prayed. You have run into the house, and it is a safe house. It is a safe haven. It is a refuge to you. So Jesus said, you get together, two or three of you, and you do this in my name, and I will build a house over you, and whatever you're praying for, whatever you're asking for, I'm going to give you, and I'm going to hold back the powers of hell against you because of my name and its authority. Come on, somebody. He said, and if you gather in my name, I'll be there. So your prayer meeting will go from two to two plus immortal Eternal, invisible God. How many of you would like that kind of prayer meeting? Guess what? You can have that prayer meeting tonight. Just get together with a believer and call on Jesus' name. And then we read in Mark 16, verse 17, These signs will follow those that believe. In my name, they will cast out devils. And they will speak with new tongues. And if they eat any deadly poison, it will not harm them. What name is it that gives you power over devils and over and the ability to speak in new tongues? It's the name of Jesus. Now we read John chapter 14, verse 13. And whosoever will call uh, on my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Romans 10, 13, for whoever will call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You want to know how to be saved? How do you escape from the wrath of God? How do you escape from judgment? How do you escape from fear? How do you get saved from sin? Call on the name of Jesus. Isn't it funny whenever people get in trouble, even atheists, when they get in trouble, they don't call on Buddha. They call on Jesus. Because that's the name that God hears. That's the name that the, 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 the Lord will hear and save. Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. It says, whatsoever thing you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
do what you do in the name of Jesus. So when you're doing something that you haven't done before, when you're going someplace you haven't gone before, or even if you've done, done it and gone there before, put yourself in God's hands. Just say, Lord, I'm going into this meeting in Jesus' name. I don't know what they're going to say to me, and I don't know what I'm going to have to say to them, but I'm going in Jesus' name. My job is on the line this morning, but I'm going in Jesus' name. I have to preach this sermon because Pastor got this crazy idea that I have to teach a Bible study or get up there in front of people. I'm going to go in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. Go in Jesus' name. Whatsoever things you do in word or in deed, do it in the name of Jesus. So when you have to correct your children, correct them in Jesus' name. There's authority in what you do because he's backing you. And then, finally, we read in James chapter 5, verse 14. If any are sick among you, let him call on the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, what does it say in the next verse? Could you put it up there, please? Verse 15. And the, and the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Listen, I want you to look at this formula. If there's anyone sick among you, who are you to call for? The elders of the church. You know why there are a lot of sick people in our community? They don't have an eldership over them. They don't have spiritual leadership. When you don't have spiritual leadership, you don't have any spiritual protection. When you have spiritual leadership and you're part of a local church, you have all the gifts that are in the church available to you. He says, call for the elders of the church. Do the elders heal? No. They'll anoint you with oil. Does the oil heal? No. He said, they'll anoint you with oil and pray in the name of Jesus. What is it that heals? The name of Jesus. And the prayer of faith. Now, that's the other connection you need to make here. You don't just use the name of Jesus. Leisurely, willy-nilly, okay, in Jesus' name, amen. You need to understand something. That's the power of attorney. That's the authority. And that's the name you and I have to pray in, in faith. When you and I call on the name of Jesus, in just some, um, just as a whim, there's no faith in that. When we pray just, just to be formal about it, just to, just to make sure that we check that little mark on the checklist. There's no faith in that. But you've got to call on the name of Jesus in faith. And that's the name that heals. That's the name that brings deliverance. It's so powerful. It says that it will heal the sick. And if anyone has sinned, it will be forgiven them. Somebody call on the name of Jesus. Say it, say it by faith. Somebody call on the name of Jesus. Oh, this, this church is asleep tonight. What's his name? Call on the name. Jesus. When you and I call on the name of Jesus, we come into a shelter. We come into a healing. We come into a refuge. We come into strength. We come into power. We come into authority. And that name is able to change your life. Has it changed your life? Now, Jesus said one more thing. I want to wrap up here. He said in uh, verse 22, The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. Now, this is the last thing the Father gave to Jesus. He gave him glory. Now, just think about this, because for the rest of eternity, you and I are going to stand in the presence of Jesus, giving him glory. For a thousand years, 10,000 years, a million years, 10 million years, eternity, you'll never run out of glory to give to Jesus. Now, if I ask you, 
to say 10 good things about somebody in your life. Some of you would have a challenge. Uh, he has a nice haircut. Uh, he always ties his shoes. Um, brings me donuts. But for, ev for all of eternity, you and I will never run out of good, gracious, glorious praise for Jesus. Why? Because he is the author of the creation. He made it by the power of his word. And then, because he is the access point to God the Father, no one gets to God except through him. That's glory, friends. When God wanted to distinguish Jesus, what did he do with him? He said, go tell the world, nobody gets to me unless they come through him. He is our high priest. He is seated at the right hand of God. What a glorious status belongs to Christ, that he is seated at the right hand of the a throne of authority and power. The Bible says all judgment will be given unto him. The day will come when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. Judgment will be given to him. All the nations will come to Jesus and they will answer to him. And we give him glory because God said I have put everything under his feet. And so... Jesus said, Father, the glory which you have given to me, listen, I have given to them that they may be one just as you and I are one. What does that mean? That means your best days are in front of you, not behind you. There is glory in your future. Come on, somebody. There is a heaven to win in your future. There is a throne around which you will gather and I will gather. And we won't call him boss. We won't call him creator. We won't call him master. We will call him father. He is our father. He has given us glory. He is, the Bible says, uh, in Psalm 103, the Bible, the psalmist said, many are they increase which trouble me, and many are they which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. There are many people who look at you and say, that's not going to amount to anything. They're not going anywhere. This ain't going to produce anything. Many are they increase which say of my soul, there is no help for them in God. But, everybody say but. But the psalmist said, Thou, O Lord, are a shield to me. You are my glory and the lifter of my head. Come on, somebody. The glory of God is on your life. Lift up your head and give him praise and give him glory because he has seated you in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Now, I want you to do this with me. Stand up and let's just give him glory. Just open your mouth. Lift your hands. Don't ask for anything. Just give him glory. Come on, just boast in the Lord. Boast in the Lord.